0: Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer.
1: Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. And recording again today at the Expo Hall of the HR Technology Conference and Exhibition. And I'm joined with Tim Sackett. Hey, Mark. Hey, Tim. Tim, a lot of people know you in the business, but would you take a minute and introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, I run like a, a, a staffing firm that my mother started literally 45 years ago, right? I've owned it the last three years, ran it the last 12. That's the day job. But then probably 12 years ago, our, the recruiting daily zone, William Tin Cup, got me into the HR tech space and started you know, writing and demoing and I probably look at 150 different technologies on an annualized basis, which is still just a fragment of, like, the actual landscape, right? Right. But it's that, it's Gladwell's 10,000 hours. It's still, you know, I'm probably doing more of that than most people. So you're going to become a one percenter and you become kind of an H- HR tech expert. So do a lot of, like, analyst um, consulting work around technology, especially around the talent acquisition, you know, tech stack. Um but really, I'm a, I'm a nerd around all of it, right? So I love all the HR tech stuff. So coming here is like Christmas, you know, for, for a lot of us <laughs> that love to nerd out on HR tech.
1: Now, we went a couple of years without an HR tech. Um, so now that we're back, what have you seen here that really, really interests you?
0: Um, I mean, again, I think, like, the to me, that's, it's taking... All of the data, so I think one of the things we've, we've in, in HR, we tend to be data rich, information poor. We have a ton of data, maybe more than anywhere else in the entire organization, but we've been really lacking on the BI kind of cap- capabilities. And so what I see on the floor now is how do we really take the data you have and transform it into insights and information to really help you know, drive the business outcome, not just HR outcomes, but like drive business, you know?
1: Do you think practitioners, by and large, are really ready to handle data properly? Are they getting the, the education that they need?
0: No, and I think that's one of the, that's, that's another piece of what we're seeing is the simplification of all that, right? I don't, most people, if you take a thousand HR people, only one of those that thousand will want to really get their hands dirty with the data. Most of them want the, the the picture of it. They want the the dashboard, tell us what's happening and give us some predictive kind of insights to what we should be doing based on what it's saying. (laughs) And I think that's the level of where most HR people want it. Quite frankly, it's the level where most of our leaders organizationally want it as well. They don't really want to, I mean, they want to leave the data science to the data scientists and the business analysts. They don't really want to dig in that deep. They just want to go, what is the data telling us and what should we be doing? And if you can tell us at that level, at a very high level, that's probably where they all should be sitting about right now.
1: Well, let me ask you about um, recruiting Yeah, specifically. That seems to be using technology more and more and getting more and more sophisticated. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of great walking around here and seeing what everybody's up to. What do you think are the big trends that are happening?
0: Uh, you know, there's a, I mean, you and I can take a look just in front of us in our face right now. And I think the buyer's overwhelmed with the complexity and the overlap of all the technology. So to me, like some of the better, you know, kind of trends around the recruiting side is how do we make a lot of this stuff invisible to the end user? So That recruiter shouldn't, I don't need them to flick more switches and pull more levers, right? I, I need just stuff to work. Um, behind the scenes, that is delivering them a pipeline of candidates that match, you know, what we what we what we want them to do, and spend time on really developing relationships and having conversations. I don't need them to, you know, spend hours upon hours, you know, sourcing and searching and trying to match when we have technology that can do that better, twenty four seven. Know.
1: Well, I guess that sort of hints at the balance between technology and people. Yeah, we let the. The technology do that yeah. sorting kind of stuff and the people. It, it, I always read about um, companies adopting AI and that in turn gives their uh, professionals, their rec- recruiters, more um, strategic work to yeah. do.
0: Yes. Yeah. Is, is that true? <laughs> it could be true. I mean, and the, th- the, qu- the question is that we have to define strategy, right, in terms of that strategic, because I think the future of recruiting is recruiters that actually have a, 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 a skill set that would be around building able to build trust and relationships with, with candidates very quickly and having, in, in figuring out, like, how do we, how do, we do that? Versus I'm going to have them spend 35 hours of their 40 hours of work doing all, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's and, and, and doing all this tactical stuff, of like mm-hmm. scheduling and, you know, all the operational stuff of recruiting. Um, and so ideally, the capacity, of, like the technology adds capacity to a recruiter then to go and not just with a candidate, right, they should also have a great relationship with the hiring manager and great trust. If I'm a, a recruiter, and I say, hey, I found this great candidate, I screened, I feel like this, they're a match for the job, for the company, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have to send that to the hiring manager. I should actually be able to put that on the hiring manager's schedule because they have a trust and a relationship with me that they 100% believe if I'm recommending somebody, they want to talk to that person. What we have right now is not that. Most recruiters do not have that ability or access or, or time, really, to build that kind of level of trust and relationship where they go, I think my recruiter that supports me knows my business and knows what I'm looking for.
1: Um, with the tools doing the sourcing, are they doing a good job?
0: I, I mean I think they're doing a better job. The problem with, with any kind of technology is you're talking about scale and number. And you can always pull out one. You can say, well, hey, the technology didn't find this person. I found this person. Yeah, but statistically over time <laughs> the technology is finding way more people than you are finding and it's all you know, and and that's where that's where we fall down is too often I find when the adoption lags on the technology is you have a recruiter that's trying to compete with a technology and they give one-on-one examples that are valid Mm -hmm. and and versus going, yeah, but we're talking about scale, not talking about one-to-one. And that becomes the problem.
1: Shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. um, Skills has become a big conversation the last year or so. Yeah. Um, How is it impacting recruiting?
0: That's a great question. I don't know if it really truly has yet. I mean, I think at enterprise it has because in, and now if you're a recruiting team and you've really turned on internal mobility to understand what skills do we have and where can I move people within the organization and start, you know, re- rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic, so to speak, <laughs> um, and, and in a much more intelligent way, um, I kind of understand right away, like, okay, hey, we're, we have a gap here and here from a skill standpoint. Um at mid enterprise and lower, which is still the vast majority of the hiring, you know, that we do, I don't know if it's really made that that impact. But at enterprise, we've we've seen like just a huge adoption to that. So I do think more and more we have a TA team strategically thinking about not just how we bring people into the company, but how do we actually keep them by 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 leveraging the skill sets they have and leverage them when they, they want them, not necessarily just when we went them. Right, and that's been the difficult piece. We we've allowed so much talent to leave our organizations for our competitor because we didn't we weren't allowing them to easily understand where they could be in our organization, how they could move. And the more and more we do that, um, that that it just helps overall. I mean, I tell people all the time, the best recruit that you'll ever have is the one you don't have to make because <laughs> you retain somebody. You know, right. and we only do that if we really have that knowledge of skills that are at our inventory that are already in our company. Right.
1: Um, I've heard it said that there's three ways you get skills: you build them, you buy them, you borrow them. Yeah. So, I get that, but when you sort of apply it to a company like an enterprise, yeah, that's got to be a really complicated thing to inexpensive. Implement. Yeah. You know, can you talk about it?
0: Well, yeah, Mark, you and I have been in the, in the industry long enough that we remember a time when, enter, like, um, companies would actually invest in like building talent. <laughs> Whether that was an apprenticeship program of some sort or whatever that might be, we um, they w- we would actually spend lots and lots of money to build the talent we needed. And then somewhere along the line, over the last couple of decades, we've really walked away from that and assumed that higher ed or public education or somebody would do that for us. And what we've found is that's actually a really bad replacement. Right? We we actually have to go back as organizations and start investing in building the talent that we need and so it's not always about i'm going to hire you know entry-level college grads maybe for a lot of the jobs i have based on the skill sets we need i can hire high school kids we can develop them train them more as a white collar apprenticeship versus the blue collar apprenticeship but we're starting to see those come back and, and i think to me that's another future of hr that we don't talk about enough is we, i mean the technology landscape is there right i mean there's technology out there that can help us do that and build our talent but we there, there's there's a lack of a of an investment and part of that's trust of our leadership. Our leaders are like well wait a minute. If we spend all this money building the talent. What's going to happen? They're just going to go work someplace else. You're like well no 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 no. They don't. That's not that's a that's a bad like idea to say that that's going to happen. It only happens if you decide that you want to treat them poorly or give them a bad work experience or whatever. So you can't say oh we're going to build talent and then treat them like shit and think they're going to stay around right. We got build talent, treat them well, give them a great like opportunity, and then that investment comes back tenfold. But, yeah, of course, if you're just going to build and then try to grind them out, that's going to be a bad investment, that, you know. And too many of our leaders believe that the investment's bad, so they would rather just go and borrow and steal, right, those skills, instead of build them. Steal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, you're talking about learning, basically. Yeah. And it seems like learning platforms and learning systems have become a lot more flexible and a lot, a lot more interesting, frankly, in the yeah. last, say, two years what's driving
0: um i think it's really to me it started with we took we got away from traditional kind of training development that we've seen it hasn't really changed in decades you know i mean we might have added some technology or platforms around stuff but the, the ability to like i think you know micro learning coming in and understanding that we have we've really built a culture around younger generations that expect that they can pull up youtube and learn something in three minutes right and we had to adapt to that kind of culture of saying you don't have to have a three hour a four hour an eight hour you know kind of sit in a classroom for one day and learn something mm-hmm. um let's figure out bite-sized ways to do this on an ongoing basis over time and you'll probably get a better a higher adoption and a faster move for a lot of these um and again uh, the ability to do kind of multi-channel video audio um not just like written you know book kind of stuff that we would do traditionally so it's really it, it's um it's kind of become more entertaining in a way and like mm-hmm. again that's you know hey that's just part of what we have to do if you want to keep someone's attention the best trainers i ever had going through my career as i was coming up were always people who were actually were entertaining right they made they made the the training interesting well we figured out that that's really unreliable to like hire a bunch of people and you hope that you got some people who are entertaining <laughs> but we can actually create content in a multi kind of channel environment that actually is very entertaining and engaging and keeps somebody in, you know really hooked in And again, the social media is the, you know, just the the advent, I think, of a lot of the technologies that we use on a daily basis in our life has really showed us in the training world and learning world, how we should be able to kind of get that connected.
1: You know, one of the things people are talking about in this space is um, learning in the flow of work. Yeah. Only really started to hear that, I think, late last year, or this year. Yeah. What's your thoughts about that? I mean, it makes
0: complete sense, right? I mean, we talk about this in the recruiting side as well as like we like you want people just to to you want to add technology into how they work on a daily basis. You don't want to ask them to actually leave that flow of work and go someplace else to have to like get something or learn something. It breaks up your day. It becomes less efficient. There's more waste. And so, if we can teach them and and have learning set up in that flow of work for them, it just it makes it so that. One is it's just easier for them to actually consume on a daily kind of basis. Um, They'll do more of it, and it it feels like it fits. It it feels like it's not just something that was designed separately from what they're doing on a daily basis. So I think it works perfectly, yeah.
1: It it makes integration more important. Oh, for sure, yeah. (laughs) Um, Where do you think that's going? I mean, I I have this vision of there's going to be a generation of technology products that have no UI. Yeah. Because they're just going to be, you know, delivered.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, I still don't even think we, I mean, we're really early in the virtual side of this as well. And I mean, not even just for learning the, the power that that could have in the virtual reality, augmented reality world. Um, think about that from a learning perspective, but even like a meeting perspective. Think about the, we have three kind of workplaces. We have a remote, we have a hybrid, we have an on-prem. Um, the, the problem we have culturally is we're asking people, to kind of connect in whatever environment they're in, whereas I could throw them all, no matter where they were sitting or working, in a virtual environment, and now they're equal. They're in the same exact environment. They have the exact same tools, the exact same connection. And to me, that's we're going to see more of that kind of stuff happen as well. Um, you know, in, in terms of just, I wouldn't say necessarily fairness. I think I think it's just it's a struggle to build culture across all these different landscapes like somebody who's working remotely versus somebody on-prem, they're always going to have different cultures. But we need one organizational culture. So the more we can pull them in together in one shared space becomes, you know, really powerful.
1: Right. But, you know, with remote workers and hybrid workers, really more remote workers, I mean, getting the culture to sort of wrap around them is a lot more difficult. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, how do you do it? <laughs>
0: I would be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here at, the, at this if I figured, had figured that out. <laughs> um, I will tell you, it's it's a challenge because I, you know, everybody I talk to, unless they've actually worked remote for a long time and they're comfortable there and they're working for a, a company that has figured, I mean, not really figured it out, but maybe it's full remote company. It's the it's the challenge of having all like remote, hybrid, on prem um, together. Because what we're hearing then from the remote workers in those environments are, I don't feel connected enough. Um, I don't feel like necessarily I'm a part of the overall culture, and, and you have to really reach out. Um, and, that, and, by, and by the way, it's twofold: the, the worker has to reach out, and the, the company has to reach out and, and build that and kind of build that bridge on the remote side. Um, hybrid might be a little bit easier. Again, we see you know all kinds of stuff people are testing. I still think we're still early on all of this. I think. That digital build of digital culture is something that, like as we take a look at 2023, 2024 and HR tech, we're going to see companies coming out saying, hey, we, we figured it out. Here's how we do it, right? And here's the solution. I, I have yet to see anybody. I've, you see a lot of culture companies, but you don't see ones that have said, hey, we figured out this kind of digital landscape.
1: Tim, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to People Tech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out HCMTechnologyReport.com.
0: The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.